I wonder if that's true for you. Is it really well with your soul? It's a question we need to wrestle with. With the craziness and chaos of this world, is your soul content? That is the key word for this message and and this whole month because I believe as people who follow Christ, who trust in him, we are meant to be content. Now here's the dilemma. That doesn't mean you're always going to be happy. It doesn't even mean you're always going to be satisfied. But in Christ, we can have contentment even when this world, especially when this world is falling apart. And that's what we're seeking this month that we would find our contentment in Christ. Uh, Before we get started in that, I want to pray about a few things. Uh, I would love to to start us off by praying for Jesse McAlexander and Matt Churchill. They are in a day of transition today. Jesse uh, ends his quarantine as he's been preparing to go into the Navy chaplaincy. He's got seven uh, weeks of training starting tomorrow, so he is transitioning into that tomorrow. Matt started his new job in in, uh, Christian Church in Northern Illinois today. And next week, he's preaching for that church. So I ask you to be praying for them. They've been a blessing to us. We need to keep lifting them up in prayer. With that line of thinking, we also need to pray for uh, um, the ministers that will follow them, that will uh, grow from where they are uh, at this point, and our team continue to be built. One of the questions on our heart is during this time of of question, and we don't know uh, everything that's going to happen in the future, should we even move forward and expand our team? My heart is still yes, but we need to have God lead in that. Amen? That we do not want to uh, stop or, or stall right now, but we need to move forward with confidence in Christ. So pray that God would lead us in that pursuit. I also uh, would just want to uh, thank God for the blessings he's given us. This is very much certainly a time of, of un- uncertainty. It's certainly uncertain, right? The one thing that you know is going to happen is something new is going to change. And God has continued to meet our needs. I want to say thank you for uh, your gifts and offerings Even though we're not passing the plate, I think we have failed in praising God and asking him to bless the offerings that are given each week. So we're going to do that in just a minute. Uh, But thank you for your continued support. And we're going to pray that God would multiply those gifts because whether it's through ministry staff or offerings or your service or what you're doing, our hope, our main mission is to, to share the hope that changes everything. The hope is in Jesus Christ. And we're going to pray today that more and more people would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and find their contentment in him. I also believe we need to be praying for families of lost loved ones. Um, the Beerley family lost a father last uh, yesterday afternoon, and uh, the Langell family recently lost uh, uh, their mother. So let's be praying for those families. Let's also pray for all those that are sick with COVID, especially our president and the first lady. Uh, they need our prayers. They need to be lifted up. No matter your political opinion, we need, we're, we're, to, we're commanded by the word of God to pray for our leaders. Amen? So we're going to do that. So let's go to God in prayer at this time. Father in heaven, uh, you are king. You are uh, more than enough for us. We're going to see that theme throughout today. I pray that you would remind our hearts that no matter what struggle we're in, no matter what chaos, that our contentment is found through Jesus. Be with Matt and Jesse as they start new phases of their life today, whether it be going into the Navy or a new church ministry. Be with us as we seek um, uh, these uh, roles in our church and guide and direct us. Lord, I pray that... um, as we uh, share in our gifts and talents and offerings, that you multiply those, that, that as we sow seed, that you make that seed grow. Bless the giver today, and uh, whether they're online or here with us or listening on the radio, that as, the, as we give back to you, that, that you multiply that for your glory. Father, be with uh, those that are suffering and sick. Be with those that have lost loved ones recently, uh, the Langell family and the Beerley family. Give them peace today. 
Lord, I pray for our leaders of our nation, Republican and Democrat. I pray uh, for all those that are searching for answers. I pray for unity. Be with those that are sick. Uh, be with the president and his wife, especially as, as there's so much in the forefront. And we're honoring you as we lift them up in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God has laid it on my heart this month to slow down and really see what's most important as we pursue contentment. Contentment is something I greatly desire, and it was fleeting last night. I often get to live what I'm preaching, so, so as I'm helping hopefully guide us through God's word to have contentment through Christ, I stayed up most of the night worrying, just being honest, thinking about this and that and those things and those other things. And it wasn't a really terrible night with that. I never uh, had stress, but my mind just wouldn't uh, still. And as I prayed, I would just fade off to sleep for a moment, and then I would wake up again just not having true peace. All the time, I know it comes from Christ. God may have been allowing me to see the battle that so many of us face during these frustrating and chaotic times that if we don't turn to Christ, this world is going to leave us crazy and twisted and having anything but content. And I know in Christ that I am meant to be content. You are meant to be content. Once again, that doesn't mean you're going to be satisfied all the time. You're going to be happy. But we're going to be at peace in our soul, in our hearts. But the reality is contentment is an elusive thing in this world. About the time you think you found it, something changes. About the time you think you're going to achieve it, it's not there. But I want you to know today it's in Christ. And even as we fight that battle of contentment and peace, uh, even though as times we're distracted, we must continue to seek Christ. But we seek all different types of things. We think if I'll just achieve this, if once my bank account is this high, once uh, my job security is at this level, then I'll be content, guys. That's a lie. I read a story years ago about a pilot who as he went across our nation in a, a standard flight that he had, every time he went across this one spot in the nation, he would focus intently on this lake underneath him. And one day the co-pilot just finally said, hey, what's the deal with that spot? What's, what's so interesting about that spot that you look at every time we cross over? And the pilot said, see that lake? When I was a boy, I used to sit on the banks of that lake and fish. And every time I would see a plane fly over, I wish I was flying. Now, strangely enough, as I'm flying and I look down at the lake, he says, I wish I was fishing. <laughs> While that's a little bit humorous, guys, I, I want it to be sobering and enlightenment that, that when we believe we're going to have what we want, when we achieve this, when we get this job, when we arrive at this point in life, it's going to leave us wanting more. Often what we used to have. I wonder what right now you thought would be so fulfilling, but it still left you wanting more. That may be the very thing you need to let go of today. As we pursue contentment in Christ, it's so tempting to think that at times uh, contentment can be achieved by what we do in this world. There is nothing of this world that it offers that can provide true contentment. But today in Scripture, we're going to see that it can be claimed through Christ and held on to through Him. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles. We're going to be in this chapter really the entire month. We're going to look today at really the things we need to, to run away from, the things that kill our contentment that we need to let go of, to prune from our lives. Paul's writing Timothy in this letter. He's a young pastor. He's leading a church, and they're, they're focused a lot on doctrine, about uh, that, that grace uh, uh, that comes from Jesus Christ is what, what's sufficient for salvation. He, he's focused a lot on, on how to really get a church and, and, and Christians to, to keep their faith strong in Christ, and it's about Jesus, it's about Jesus. 
But then Paul sees, and he hears a report that there are false teachers coming into the church. And here's the bottom line. Teachers come in and say, okay, Jesus was good, but to truly have peace, to truly be a godly person, you need to do this, 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 and that, and all these other things. And Paul's saying, that's a lie. That's false. Christ is enough. He says this, a theme verse for the month. He says, true godliness with contentment is itself great worth. True godliness, focused on God's truth, uh, with contentment, with this joy that comes from him, that's really what has great worth. But time and time again, people came into the church and they said, if you really want to be content, you've got to follow what Jesus said, plus add all these other things. They would say, well, you, you have to continue to be circumcised. And we, we see that dis dismissed. You've got to continue to eat this. You've got to continue to, to wear these clothes. You've got to continue to go to church at this time. Maybe also follow this uh, uh, pastor or teacher. And Paul says this is not true. Our contentment is not fulfilled based on what we can add from this world, but it's based on, based on Christ. Contentment is not having what you want, but actually wanting what you have. And that's found in Jesus. We often connect contentment with money. It's not just true of the American culture the last hundred years. It was true of, of Paul's day during Timothy's life. And Paul uh, speaks to money here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, but it's not the main point. But I want to address it from the beginning to get it out of the way. While money is not the focus, time and time again we see a dilemma that if we could just have more money, then we might be content. But Solomon, here's what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 5. He says, those who love money, notice the love for money, will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. I wonder how many times you thought, man, if I could just have this uh, level of uh, financial security, then I could really have peace. Solomon knew it, and he said, it's just, it's, it's false. Jesus said this about money in Matthew 6. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. Money in and of itself is not wrong, but he says you can't serve it and also serve God. One is going to be your Lord. One's going to be your master. He goes on to say about all these things we worry about. He says uh, we worry about the clothes we wear, the food we'll eat, uh, uh, maybe where we'll live. Uh, I wonder what you worry about connected to the things of this world. He says all of these things lead our mind astray. In verse 33, he says this, these things, what you worry about, whatever it is you worry about, they dominate your thoughts of the unbeliever. And you may say, well, I'm a believer. But if you're worrying about these things, in that moment, you're not really a believer. You're not trusting in God. There's moments where even though I know Christ is my Savior, I can lose my trust in Him because I, I, I feel like I need this. Maybe you have the same issue. He says, when, 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 we, when our thoughts are dominated by these things, we're unbelieving. He says, but he reminds us, but your Heavenly Father, the, the one that you know loves you and sent Jesus for you, He already knows all of your needs. <laughs> That's amazing. He still wants us to ask. That's why we ask uh, uh, today for Him to lead us in uh, a search for new pastors. That's why we ask uh, uh, for health for our, our leaders and for wisdom for our leaders. We ask things because He wants us to bring it, but He already knows. Does He really know all of my needs? Do you, you, do you really think He knows all of them? He knows each and every one. Right there, pause for a second. Whether you're online or on the radio or right here in the room, knowing that God knows all of your needs should give you a level of contentment and peace. That, that need that you've not told anyone, you'd never tell me, you wouldn't even tell your spouse, God knows that need and he can meet it. So in that, he says, seek first the kingdom of God above all else. 
and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Man, that, that should give us a sense of contentment. Contentment does not come and it does not change our desire to have improvement or, or, or change our life circumstances. You can be content and not still be satisfied. I, I had to learn this early on in ministry. There were days whenever I, you know, I dreamed of uh, 80 people come to church and 40 showed up. I wasn't satisfied, but I was content that Christ was still king. Today, during uh, this, this pandemic we're living in, we don't know what a church looks like, but Christ is still king, amen? And, and we know uh, that, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't know everything. So just because we're content doesn't mean we're de- not desiring more, not wanting improvement. But here's real where, what contentment is. Contentment means that we have learned to be at peace with what we have in the present because of Christ's presence in our lives. We've learned to be at peace no matter what the circumstance is because we know that Christ is with us. That's where contentment comes from. But Paul's going to talk of two groups in this chapter that can rob our contentment. Sometimes the the greatest destruction to contentment is people. Sometimes the greatest uh, uh, thing that kills contentment is someone speaking in your head or, or pointing you in the direction of something else. And Paul tells uh, the, the church and tells Timothy, you got to watch out for this. He speaks directly to this. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 2, he says this. He says, teach these things. All these things I've told you about Jesus, make sure you teach them, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Paul is setting the ground here that what I've taught you about Jesus is enough. Teach these things and have them obey them. Paul is saying it's not enough just to know the truth. You've got to live it. It's not enough just to be able to pass the test. You've got to put into practice. So I don't know where this hits you, but what is something you know you should be doing and you're not doing it? Paul says you've got to obey it. Because when we know something we don't put into practice, someone can come along and deceive us and pull us away from even knowing the truth. What, what do you know right now that you should be doing that you're not putting into practice? The first group will pull you away from that truth. He says, watch out for these people. They will steal the contentment within the church family. He says, watch out for false teachers. You know, those people that come in and say, well, Jesus was enough in this realm of people, but now that we're more aware, now that we have more knowledge, you've also got to do these things and all these things, and you've got to know these things. And you should be able to, to have a higher level of understanding than people before. No, from the beginning, uh, the, the sacrifice, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus has always been enough. And it will always be enough. He says there will be people that come in and tell you all these other false teachings. Be very aware of them. Look what he says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 3. He says some people may contradict our teaching. We know this happens throughout the Bible. But these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says we got to stay focused on, on the wholesome teachings of Christ. He says these teachings promote godly life. Anyone who teaches something different, I would also add to this, additional to Christ, is arrogant and lacks understanding. Because Jesus was more than enough. He's the son of the living God who died so we could have life. He took our sins on and allowed himself to be crucified and overcame death and sin so we could live. That is enough. He says anyone who adds to that or teaches differently is arrogant and, and lacks understanding. Paul doesn't pull any punches here. He goes, if someone tries to add to this, they're ignorant. They, they don't get it. What this does, such a person is an un, has an unhealthy desire 
to quibble over the meaning of words. Have you ever seen that happen, maybe in culture or your own life? Someone is so divisive, they'll they'll quibble about a definition of the word is or was. They'll, They'll quibble about anything and everything. He says, be very careful about these people because they're always stirring up arguments that end in jealousy, division, slander, evil suspicion. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just the way to become wealthy. There's the money thing again. Some people are going to say, well, uh, your church culture, your belief is not enough. You need to read this book and go through this program, and then you'll have a higher level of understanding. If someone is trying to teach something different than Jesus, it's often because they want people to look at themselves and puff themselves up as a chance to have power or wealth. I wonder what's creeping into your life right now that's trying to add to Jesus. You need to rebel from it. You you need to not invest in that. You need to know that they're just stirring up problems for themselves. If they can pretend to be godly, they can hope to gain something of this world. Here's the reality, though. Where does contentment really live? If you want to be content, where's it at? It's not in your bank account. It's not in your portfolio. It's not at your place of business. Your contentment is from your heart. So if you have people around you that are always quibbling over uh, little things, they're always wanting to, to argue, he says, remove yourself from them because there's no contentment in that. We need to be very careful not to get caught up in meaningless arguments, stirring up strife. Paul says, if you want to be content, flee from these type of teachers. Because they bring jealousy. They're always wanting to one-up one another. They're, they're always bringing division. They're trying to uh, push uh, these people against these people. They're, they're always willing to slander, have malicious talk. That, that leads to evil suspicions. Well, uh, that person did just this little thing wrong. You should really trust me. There's constant friction, the Bible says. You probably have someone in mind right now that fits that definition pretty well. The person that's always causing division always causing constant friction. That person then walk in the room, your skin kind of crawls. You know what I would call that? You, you just resent that person. Maybe they actually really did you wrong. Do you know what resentment does? Resentment kills contentment. If you're currently having someone in your life all the time that you resent, you either need to try to resolve that relationship, which is always the best, but if it can't be resolved, if they're always causing division, you need to, to distance yourself from them. Uh, Paul would say, go on to say another passage, if there's a false teacher who's always trying to make division, cast them out of the church. We have to make a strong stand for this if we're going to have contentment in Christ. So what do we do? Paul goes on to tell us how to fix these people that push against the truth, these false teachers. Look what he says in chapter 6, verse 6. He says, yet true godliness, this godliness that makes money, that's bad. He says, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. That's really honorable. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can take nothing with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. That's sobering. If you really want to know how to be content, focus on Christ, and as long as you've got enough food and clothing, you're good. Hmm. Paul says, seek godliness and pursue him, and and, and then you'll you'll be blessed with everything you need. It reminds me of one of my theme verses as I went through Bible college. It's it's Psalms 37, 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, What what that has always meant to me, what I've I've taken away from that, when you put him first, when when you honor God above all, when your joy comes from uh, uh, 
promoting and proclaiming him, he will give you then the things that you desire. Here's the amazing thing. When you are enough in tune to delight in God in every way, your desires begin to match his, and then he naturally wants to bless you and bless you more and bless you more with more than just food and clothing. But guys, it starts with that because that's what's, what's needed. I wonder if you have been delighting yourself in the Lord lately. That type of contentment that just delights in the Lord no matter what's going on is contagious. We all know that person that just has joy, uh, true peace all the time. I'm not always that person. Sometimes I'll come in from a, a weekend of kind of stress and worry, and I'll be honest, man, this was a tough weekend. But, but we need to try to be that person that has joy and contentment and, and peace that comes from God no matter what we face in the world. It is contagious. One of the greatest ways to share the hope of Christ with others is to have joy, to delight in the things of God. I wonder if that's you. You know, the opposite of that right now is because of the world being crazy and kind of in chaos, we live in fear and frustration, and we want to talk about it with anyone that will listen. We sound like uh, the major media uh, outlets all the time. I mean, I watched the news for the first time. Maybe that's why I couldn't sleep last night. I watched the news last night, and, and it was dreadful. We need to be the exact opposite of that. We need to be people of facts and of truth. But the bottom line is we can have joy because Christ is king no matter what happens in this world. And that's where contentment comes from. So what are you holding on to that's creating you fear and chaos? If you hear one thing today, if you're a believer of Christ, stop living in fear. If you're a believer and you trust in Christ, stop uh, having your life uh, uh, be tossed back and forth by the latest uh, media outlet uh, push. What are you holding on to that's creating so much fear? Uh, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Job put it this way. Remember Job? He had a pretty run, a rough run of it. Uh, Satan, from what we understand, came to Job, what the word of God says. and says, hey, Job's a pretty good guy, but the only reason he's good is because you blessed him with so many good things. I mean, I've thought that way too. Well, this person's just happy. They delight because their life is good. God says, hey, you can do anything you want to Job as long as you spare his life. So Satan took everything from him, his family, his wealth, his health. He didn't kill him, but he gave him boils. I mean, Job was a miserable in a miserable state, and yet he still praised God. It's, it's like the song we sang just a little bit ago. We're going to sing it at the end again today. Job says, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job could say that when he was sitting in the dirt with boils all over his body, and he lost everything he had. He said, blessed be the name. I am content because you're my God. That's the type of contagious attitude that, that we need. But I wonder what you're holding on to that you think real contentment is supposed to come from, that is really making you worry and wonder about the future. I wonder if we're not in a pruning process as a nation, as a church, as our own individual lives, that, that this is actually a blessing from God. Uh, uh, God may have twisted this on Satan again, says, hey, you can do whatever you want to this nation except this, and, and, and Satan is really turning things inside out, and he, God is just waiting to see and, and bless those who have said, I will praise and bless your name no matter what happens. I wonder what needs to be pruned from your life that you're trying to hold on to so much because often we just want more, the list is pretty short. Uh, remember what Paul says, as long as we have food and clothe, clothing, we'll be content. I wonder what's on your list for contentment. Is it a boat? 
Is it the second house? Is it the vacation? Is it a remodel of the kitchen? What is all on your list for contentment? Paul says, food and clothes, that's it. I saw Tiffany's list for Walmart yesterday. It had more than food and clothes on it, okay? It included daily stuff, some stuff from Dawson, some from, stuff from Declan, some stuff for the church. Our lists are huge, even one trip to Walmart. I, I, I wonder what needs to be pruned from your life, maybe for a moment, to really see what really matters. Because we can't take it with us. I saw it. I've heard about it before, but I, I saw it this, this summer coming back from Colorado. I did not get to take a picture of it, but it was a Hearst pulling a U-Haul. Think about that. This wasn't the picture I saw, but I found this on the internet. I, it was much like this, except the one I saw was black. It, it, it looked like it had been around the world a little bit. It had probably been retired from the, the actual use and the funeral home. And this guy got it to, to probably move. To, it was a great moving vehicle Be, between the two, a lot of cargo space. But here's the reality. People are dead set on taking it with them. If... if, if most of the people of the world could load up their most valuable possessions and take it with them when they die. They would. But God uh, says through his word, through Paul says, uh, you brought nothing in the world, you can take nothing out of it. But yet we want to hold on to stuff. One of the saddest funerals I ever participated in was for a woman who won the lottery. The Illinois lottery, right, when it kind of first started, it was kind of a big deal in our little area. She didn't live in the, the little town of Hershey I lived in. She lived in the surrounding area. I didn't know her, but I coached one of her sons in high school baseball, or, or grandsons in high school baseball. So I was the closest thing to church they knew, so I was asked to do the funeral. Over the next couple of days, I tried to get to know her, and when I found out, she had won a lot of money, and she had not spent it on herself. She had not given away, so most people are wondering what she was going to do with it. It was a constant talk of people as I, I spoke with them about their grandmother, their mom, or their friend. It, it was what came up first and, and definitely most often. And I began to be bothered by it. As, as I watched people come through the line of this little funeral home uh, back then, um, the, the reoccurring thing I kind of heard uh, from people even in line was this question. They may have not said the exact same way, but it ended up being something like this. I wonder how much she left behind. I heard it four or five different times, four or five different ways. I wonder how much she left behind. One time, uh, there was literally someone going through the line that I knew well. He was talking to another person I knew pretty well, and, and I was just kind of shooting the breeze with him. And I, I answered, even though I didn't know the family's business, they were, how much do you think she left behind? I know exactly how much she left behind. She left all of it. She left every single bit of it behind because you can't take it with you. So why do we try to hold on to things? Why do we think our contentment is based on all these things we can accumulate, all these things we can build up, because we're going to leave it all behind. A pursuit of these things kills contentment. That's why Paul says, not only do, do we need to watch out for false teachers who try to add to the teachings of Jesus, watch out for the gold diggers who try to claim the good things of this world. Look what he says in chapter 6, verse 9. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, there it is again, it was in the Old Testament, it is here. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Paul says here, the people that elevate things of this world, especially money above God, have pierced themselves with sorrows. A lot of times we think when bad things happen on earth, well, it's just 
just what happens. Guys, the word of God here says, when we elevate money above God, we pierce ourselves because of problems we put ourselves in. I know there have been times whenever I've tried to pursue something of this world and I kind of went out of the bounds, the healthy bounds between its relationships and my respect of God, I have been hurt. Let this be a a firm uh, warning that when you pursue money and things of this world above your relationship with God, you're putting yourself in harm's way for yourself to be hurt and pierced, for relationships to be hurt. For your relationship with God to be hurt. That's why he says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money, not money itself. I don't mind having money. In fact, if you still are convinced that money is evil, uh, go ahead and hand it over to me. I'll be glad to take it off your hands, okay? Money is not bad. But when we elevate it above God in our desire to, to be with him, to be in his presence, it becomes evil, so how, how, do we, how do we fight back against this? Paul makes it clear. He says to Timothy, you man of God, you women of God, run from all these evil things. These things that pull us away from putting God first, run from them. It may be sex. It, it may be money. It may be uh, some type of uh, uh, thing that will intoxicate you enough just to be numb for the moment. It may be power. It may be uh, uh, some way of performance where you can ra- raise yourself to a higher esteem. If anything is, is getting in the way of putting God first, run from that. They're like, oh, it's not really that big a deal. Well, look what the Word of God says in Amos. Do what is good and run from evil so that you may live. It doesn't say do what is good and run from evil so you'll have a good day. No, it says so you can live. If we're dabbling with evil and you've been aware of what it is, you are playing with life and death. I don't know all the details of that. I just know the word of God says run from evil so that you would live. Not just so you can be happy. No, so you can actually have life. It says when you do this, you commit to this, the Lord God of heaven's armies will be your helper just as you have claimed. So here's the thing. We can claim to be committed to God, but until we commit to run from evil and pursue him, it's just a claim. It's not being put into practice. So let me ask you this right now. What do you need to run from? I'm not going to make a list. The Holy Spirit can convict you. Your wife can tell you. you what, what do you need to run from? You, you already know. So, so run from it so that you can pursue life. Uh, put God first and then contentment can really come. So, so far today, we're really talking about things we need to run from. False teaching, pursuit of things of this world, especially money. But there's things we need to pursue. Next week, we're going to focus on what we pursue. But I'm going to give you a a little insight, a little uh, preview. It says this in verse 11. Pursue righteousness and godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you which you have declared so well before many witnesses. He says, hold tight to the eternal life. That's the hope that we're talking about. We we talk about hope changes everything. The hope that we have is eternal life with Christ and being with him forever. Hold tight to that. You might say, well, Tyson, I can't hold tight to it because I don't have it. You may be watching online and you've never uh, even heard the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died so you could live. How could you hold on to it? When you hear that Christ died for you, it's time to to hold on to it. How do you do that? No matter where you're at, whether you're online or listening on the radio or right here, the first thing you need to do to hold on to eternal life, to hope we have in Christ, is admit that you're lost and without hope because of your sin. There comes a point where you have to admit, I've made a mess of things. 
I have pursued things that were wrong, and I need help. Admit that you're without hope, and then believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and arose from the dead. If you want to share with someone the plan to really claim hope, you first have to admit that you need Christ, and then, and then believe and trust in him. The Bible says it's not enough just to believe. It says the demons believe, and they're fearful of Christ. They know Christ is real, but they haven't trusted him. So we have to believe and trust that he died for sins and conquered death. After you believe, it's time to repent. So a lot of times we think repentance is just saying we're sorry. No, repentance is a whole other level. Repentance, you've already admitted you're a, sin, a sinner. You, you need help. Repentance is still acknowledging that sin and then turning your back on it, running from it, and running towards God. Some of you have for a long time said, Jesus, you're my Savior, you're my Savior, and you're still over here in the sin. Remember the scripture says today, run from it, repent, turn your back on it, and run and pursue righteousness in Christ. And then we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We often think of confession as something we do to a pastor or a priest. That's not what the Word of God is talking about here. Confession is literally saying simply this. Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of my life, and I give my life to him. I confess that he is who he said he was. He is Christ and the King. Have you confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's saying it with your mouth. It's being willing to share with anyone, everyone that will listen. Uh, Jesus said this in, in, you know, to the disciples. He says this, For anyone who confesses me before men or acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before the Father in heaven. But anyone who denies me before humans, I will deny before the Father. My question is for you. Have you been willing to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord before others? And if you haven't, that is, that is a necessity for you to, to, to be willing to say, Jesus is my Lord. I, I have accepted him as my Lord and Savior. Because if you ignore that before others, he will ignore you someday before his Father. So we have to confess him and then be baptized. The Bible says we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're, we're made new in Christ. And here's real, where really true contentment can come from. When we do this, all the things we've just shared, there's a promise that Christ will be with us forever. The Holy Spirit will live in our hearts. And then we share it. Jesus says this in Matthew 28. This one I'm about to share with you has given me more contentment and joy than any other thing in the world. Anything. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, and once you receive this for yourself, go and teach everyone else to obey everything I've commanded you, baptizing them, and, and, and I will be with you. There is no greater joy for me. I believe there's no greater joy for you than to have contempt in Christ and then share it, because no one can take that away from you or the other person. There's a gut check time here. Man, I've enjoyed being a father of five. I've enjoyed, it's been such a blessing to, to, to be a husband to Tiffany, to be a pastor. But the greatest joy, the greatest contentment is to know I have life in Christ and share it with someone else because that can never be taken away. I can share it with my children. I, I can uh, grow with my wife. I, I can share it with you and grow. And as you share with others, your contentment will rise. There's nothing more fulfilling than drawing close to Jesus and sharing that with others. The Hebrews writer 
shares this with us, though. He says, keep your life free from the love of money. Keep your life free from loving something else. And be content with what you have. For the Lord said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Some of you right now are struggling with contempt because you don't have something you think you need. What you really need, what, what, what we have to go back to is, is Christ and that he will be with us forever. Contentment means that we have learned to be at peace with what we have in the present because of Christ's presence in our life. Is that true of you? Or are you caught up watching the nightly news, be like, oh, I don't think we'll ever get through this. Christ is with us, be content. Maybe you're, maybe you're worried because you've lost a job or, or, or something has happened financially. I'm not sure if I'll get through this. Maybe you're overwhelmed because of a health concern. I don't know if, we can, I don't know if this will overcome me or not. And we can, can, can become so disappointed that we lose focus on Christ. True contentment comes because Christ's presence is with us. You might say, well, Tyson, I, I, I've been a believer my entire life, and yet I'm still so disappointed right now. That's okay. You need to hear this. It is okay to be disappointed with the world we live in because it's evil. It can even, it's even okay to be disgusted with the world we live in. But it doesn't mean our contentment is gone. Amen? I was a little bit disgusted this week when I watched the presidential debate. I was fired up. I, I, was, I, I was like, uh, I, uh, afternoon, I, I was like, I'm going to go home and watch. This is going to be like a big deal as a Super Bowl. And I watched and I was disappointed. But guess what? My contentment grew because I was reminded that Christ is king. Some of you are disappointed because a family member has cancer and you know you may lose them soon. Some of you are disappointed because your relationship with your spouse has dissolved and it hurts. It's killing you inside. Some of you are disappointed uh, because of uh, uh, some other dilemma that we'll never know about. But I want you to know in that moment of disappointment, it doesn't change your contentment because Christ is still in charge. He's king. Paul knew this, and he shared it with us. I'm going to close by reading from Philippians 4. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There's the secret. I can do all things whenever I'm in Christ. My God will supply every need of ours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The secret to contentment is out. It's being in Christ. Does that mean you won't be disappointed? Absolutely not. Does that mean you won't actually have dark moments? No. But in those moments, Christ can become more and more of your Lord and Savior as you focus on him. We're going to sing a song right now. It's entitled, Christ is, is Enough. It may be a new song to you, but I would encourage you to listen to the words, and it will change your attitude if you can declare it with your heart that Christ is enough. This morning, if you're here and you realize, I don't have any hope to hold on to yet, we invite you to come forward and accept Christ as your Savior. Uh, the baptistry is ready. You can confess him as your Savior. You can repent in your own heart, and you can be made new today. If you need to recommit that he is the most important thing to you, you can do that right where you sat. If you need prayer, come to see and pray with dear I or, or move in the room and, and share with someone that you trust. Father in heaven, as we come to this time, I pray that, that we would recommit that Jesus is enough and push away false teaching, push away um, the desire for more from this world. And Lord, if we're disappointed now, like many of us are, 
Let us know that it's okay. Jesus even wept as, as he lost his friend Lazarus, but he raised him uh, back to new life. Lord, today, if we're disappointed, let us bring our, our birds to him to make us new again, to, to, um, just to recommit all that we are to him today because he is enough. In his name we pray, amen.